The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned to address them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you wishing to construct a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if there is enough for its completion? Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlookers should laugh at him and say, This one began to build, but did not have the resources to finish. Or what king, marching into battle, would not first sit down and decide whether with 10,000 troops he can successfully oppose another king, advancing upon him with 20,000 troops? But if not, while he is still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. In the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Gospel of the Lord. So what does it take? How much does it cost to be a disciple of Jesus? These are some tough questions. I'm not sure if Father Peter Devereaux invited me because he knew that the gospel is going to be such a tricky one. He said, let's bring in a ringer outside and see if he can tackle it for me instead. But No, but seriously, isn't it a tough saying of our Lord? If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children brothers and sisters, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What sense do you make of this line? He goes on to say, whoever doesn't carry his cross and come after me cannot be his disciple. Now, I grew up in the, the Bible Belt from in Atlanta, Georgia, in the outskirts of Atlanta. It's so amazing to be back. I've been 20 years away now living overseas, and so I just can't spend three days in Georgia and it does tug on my heartstrings to be back in my homeland. And I have to say, um, you remember your roots. You remember, I remember being at the bus stop and being asked, Hey, Andrew, have you been saved? As a transplanted Yankee from uh, New York when I was a kid, uh, I wasn't used to that question. Have you been saved? And I didn't know how to respond. I certainly didn't know how to give the biblical answer that I, do, I know now, which is to say, I believe I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved, right? Do you know that in the scriptures, we find all three tenses. Salvation is a process. It had its beginning, it will have its end, but for the time being, it's an ongoing process. 
And so it is with the gospel today. Whoever does not carry his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Think about what that implies. You don't carry your cross in an instant. It's not a flip of a switch. You got to take it up. You got to walk with it and hold on to it. But if you let go, can't be my disciple, says our Lord. It's a process. When was it initiated, this process? When did you enter the kingdom? When did you first become a disciple? Of course, when you were baptized, right? That's when you entered initially the kingdom. That's when you received, like a baby seed planted in your soul, theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. But of course, you had to, over time and through repeated actions, feed that plant, make it mature, and allow it to bear fruit. But at any time, and we've lived this, have we not? We can fall away. Like another parable where Jesus says, oh, that plant, the, the, the wheat seed that landed amongst the rocks, and oof, real quick it burst into life. But then it fell away. It's possible. It's possible. Haven't we been there where we need for those boxes in the corner over there, the confessional, where we say, Lord, I've sinned, but I want to come home to you. Who hasn't been a prodigal son or daughter? And yet there is our Lord constantly welcoming us home, ready to kill the fatted calf and put the ring on our finger and sandals on our feet, restore our dignity, smother us with kisses and say, bring out the dancing, bring out the music. He who was lost is found. He who was dead is alive again. And so we know that it's possible. It's possible to let the cross fall. It's heavy sometimes. And it takes faith and perseverance, which is why I have such admiration for those who are older than I, those who have persevered in faith. When I was in this, in this off to the seminary and waiting in the gate area uh, to to say goodbye to the life that was familiar and to begin a new life in, um, in the seminary, there was an older priest there. And I, I remember kneeling down for his blessing, and he told me something I shall never forget. He said, oh, it's so easy at the beginning because God gives you lots of spiritual candy. But to persevere, that's the real trick. And it's true, for all those foibles that those uh, elder priests might have, you know, that you know, you should admire them, and I do too, because they're there, and they're in love with the Lord, they're serving the Lord. And we all have our foibles, don't we? And we all have our blind spots. But to carry the cross, this is what it means to be a disciple. And so, coming back to the tricky part of the gospel... Everything that is not God is a creature by definition, right? Even the best things in life, as good as they are, as pure as they are, as holy as they are, they're still not God. And so our father, our mother, our wife, our children, these are relative goods. 
And this is the language that Jesus is using here. The, the message is not to say quite literally, you should wish evil upon your father or mother. That's one definition of hating. And in a very literal sense, that's what it means. But here he's sp- speaking metaphorically. He's, t- he's saying, you should love God above all else. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all this other stuff will be added unto you. That is to say, in the hierarchy of goods, some are superlative and some are inferior. They're relative. In fact, they're just pale reflections of the infinite good that is in God. And so we should use them accordingly. We should love them appropriately. I love my mother and my father. I don't have any kids, but if I did, I'm sure I'd love them too, right? And I'm sure you who have children love them almost infinitely. And yet, and yet, you know from whom they have been given and to whom they are destined. God, God. And so they are relative to that supreme good. Do you know, this was really driven home to me just in these days as I was in Atlanta, as I told you. I had just a little free time between talks on the shroud. And as soon as I could, I got in a car and went to the ICU at Emory University because my old roommate, my old buddy from the time we were just little kids and then we spent high school and college together, his wife has a brain tumor. And in the worst of all places, in the stem, in the brain stem, the size of a big olive or a peach pit. Can you imagine? 41 years old, four kids, the oldest of which is 13, four little girls. Thanks be to God, in a way, the tumor got so big it burst out of the brain stem and that allowed access for the surgeons to surgically remove. And now, that was on July 11th, Here she is four weeks in the hospital. Can you imagine being the husband and sleeping in an armchair every night just to be there 24-7 beside your bride, encouraging her, offering a familiar voice? She can't even open her eyelids. They have to use scotch tape for the time being. She can barely squeeze with her left hand just to say, Honey, are you in pain? Squeeze. Can you imagine the cross that is laid upon both of those two. Thanks be to God, they're strong Christians. I don't know how you would bear such a cross without it. We all have the cross. That's not the choice. The question is, will you carry it with him or without him, right? He told me over lunch, he said, you know, Andrew, those passages where it speaks of finding joy in your trials, He's reading through the book of James. The opening lines talk about just this thing, finding joy in your crosses. And he said, you know, I never knew what to do exactly with those passages, but now I'm I'm living it. I'm living it, he said, because I'm in such a sweet spot with our Lord right now. You know, there were so many other things that I thought were important, and then this happened, and now I realize they're just not He said, Andrew, it's liberating. It's liberating. I can't believe that he's in in this place of, he's on fire with the love of the Lord at a place where most of us, I think, would be inclined to just crawl under a rock 
and just disappear, right? But no, he's clinging to our Lord. As I walked into the lobby of the hospital, he greets me with a big smile and, and says, Hey, man, how's it going? With, as if nothing were weighing upon him. We're walking to the ICU and passing by some paraphernalia that they're selling in the gift shop of the Emory University. He says, Hey, and on your way to the emergency, if you want to pick up a keychain or a, a hat for the Bulldogs, here's your chance. He's cracking jokes in the middle of this month-long agony. Can you imagine the grace of the Spirit as I stepped out because they're trying to stabilize his wife for a moment, moving her from the chair to a horizontal position? I call, I'm waiting in the waiting room, and it's my mother's birthday. And so she, she called me from the West Coast. My sister was on the line too. And so I'm chatting with them for a moment, and now Josh, my friend, comes back from that dramatic situation where his wife, who's whose heartbeat had spiked so high that they had to call in the doctors for an emergency and put new drugs in her IV and settle her down. He comes in from that, and what does he say when he sees my mom and dad? Hey, Miss Mary, Mrs. and Mr. Dalton. Hey, Kara, how you doing? I love you guys. All smiles. What is the grace of the Spirit in the midst of the cross? I say, I wish to God that they receive the miracle that they need, that Lauren can go home to her four children who need her. But to be honest, they're not in a bad place spiritually. They're in the best of places. They're surrendered to the Lord. They're taken up the cross. I said, Josh, is there anything I can do for you? He's like, yeah, man, you can pray. We sat down just beside her and we just, we just prayed together, laid hands on her. And I begged that she could come home to her children. Um, but I felt like the whole time, honestly, they were ministering to me more than I was ministering to them. But isn't it true that this is, this is the, the stuff of life, of Christian life? Will we take up the cross or will we flee? Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. And he loved us this much until he spread out his arms wide on the cross and then he died. And if we are to follow him, we got to know where his story ended up. It didn't end in death, thanks be to God, but it did pass through death to get to glory. And that's our path too. The Via Crucis is a Via Lucis, the way of the cross is the way of light. And so, may we have the faith, may we receive the strength at this Eucharist, this bread from heaven, not to sidestep the cross, but to take it up. That's why we're fed at this table, so that we can courageously follow in his footsteps. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask that you hear these prayers made through the intercession of your high priest, our Lord Jesus Christ, which we bring to you in faith. That God's salvation may reach to the ends of the earth through the ministry of the church, we pray to the Lord. That the actions of all those who govern and legislate will imitate the Lord 
who just and always we pray to the Lord. For our nation on Labor Day, tomorrow and Monday, that we might grow in sanctity by offering our tasks to the Lord, and that all who are unemployed would soon find meaningful work, we pray to the Lord. That God will bless all students and teachers now and throughout the school year, we pray to the Lord. That we will never turn a deaf ear to those who call for our help, we pray to the Lord. Today's Mass is being offered for Joseph Kelly. We pray to the Lord. For those who are sick or infirmed, and for their caregivers, that God in his mercy will draw close to them and raise them up, we pray to the Lord. For the repose of the souls of all the faithful departed, that through our prayers and those of the Blessed Mother, they may join the saints in heaven. Eternal rest grant to them, O Lord. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And Lord, we happily offer you our hearts so that you can pray in us. We offer you our hands, our feet, our eyes, all that we are. You gave it to us and we give it back to you. Make your perfect prayer through ours. We ask this in the name of your Holy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.